Welcome to the Educational Leadership Series, Lead Change in Education, where your co-hosts, Adam Drummond and Mark McAmoyle, talk with educational leaders across the country in ways that they're boosting student academic achievement and building collective teacher efficacy. Each episode is especially designed to examine the ways that you can be instructional change agents in your schools as you work to reform culture, instructional planning, learner engagement, and community advocacy in your schools or in your districts. Take the ideas from our guests and work to apply them in your schools so that you can be instructional change agents too. Welcome back to another exciting conversation where we talk with school lead and district leaders across the country around the ways that they're handling the global pandemic with COVID-19 and working to be change agents in education. We're excited to be joined by Jason Berg, who is the superintendent of Farmington Area Public Schools in Farmington, Minnesota. Hi, Jason. How are you today? I'm good, Adam. Great. Hi. Well, Jason, why don't we start by you telling us just a little bit about who you are and, and what you do, and then we'll jump right in. Well, uh, I appreciate it. So I'm Jason Berg. So I'm currently serve as a superintendent for Farmington Area Public Schools. So we're uh, probably the southernmost uh, suburb of in the metro area of Minneapolis, St. Paul. Um, I've also served a role in the district office, high school administrator, elementary administrator, instructional coach, and then high school math teacher over the past 25 years. Jason, it's, it's Mark here. Just uh, awesome to have you with us today. You know, I've got a great deal of respect for you and your team and everything you've accomplished in Farmington. Adam, for our listeners out there, um, Farmington is really a, what I would call, Jason might not use these words, but a beacon district. They, they're constantly pushing and reevaluating, disrupting education um, and, and leading us in the area. And so, Jason, it's an honor to have you with us today. Um, you know, we're really curious. This whole series is about how are you, and we're going to get to how you are doing. Um, how how is your organization? How's your system doing right now? You know, you, you you push for change, and you support your teachers so well. At least you you try, and you're very intentional in that. So let's start there. Is how's the organizational health uh, considering the constraints and the challenges on your teachers and your entire staff? Well, it's good to hear from you, Mark. I've enjoyed our times when we spent talking with each other about uh, learning and how it can look different. Mm -hmm. You know, I think uh, I kind of I think we're similar to everybody, right? I think we're we're all feeling the stress of you know, all the different learning models that we've had to prepare for and kind of move in and out of. Um, I will say that um, you know, I'm, maybe a little bit different in our organization is once we kind of get over that initial you know tense up of okay, here comes another change or the guidance is changing. I do think our work over the last nine years has kind of provided us the ability to, to think um, flexibly and, and begin to figure out how can we make those things work or how can we adjust what we're currently doing or how can we take um, what we've learned over the last nine years and apply it to this new situation. So I, I, I think that um, there's an immense amount of pressure on all educational systems and I would be lying if I wouldn't say that, um, you know, our district office, our um, building administrators and our teachers don't feel that. But I think we once we get over that initial push and kind of the shock of, oh, here's another change. I think we're able to kind of start to figure out and get to work and do that in a way that that serves our children best. So, Jason, as you think through the, the last semester and then, of course, with our break and coming back, 
um, hitting it strong here in second semester. What are your key areas of focus? What are you looking at um, as we kind of look down this pike of second semester? Yeah, I think for us, kind of the, the general mantra all year has been less is more. Um, but um, that doesn't mean just not doing as much. It may be part of that. It means really focusing on those high leverage instructional strategies and those high leverage pieces that are going to carry kids forward, you know, through the rest of this year and into next year. Um, I think in education, we've become, you know, satisfied trying to do everything and be everything. And, and often when that happens, you don't do anything very well. And, um, you know, I, it goes back to the stress of the system when, when you're only seeing kids potentially two days a week or you're not seeing them in person at all and you can continue to try to do what you've done in the past, it becomes very, very stressful. So we've asked our people to try to simplify things, focus on our essential learnings, um, those big high leverage pieces, and make sure that all of our kids are able to go deep in those areas and kind of try to get more bang for our buck with when we have our students. For our listeners, Jason, just because we've got people that are listening all over the country, um, why don't you share a little bit about what the, the director from the state is right now to give people a context? Yeah, so we, we well, I mean, our, our, our state of Minnesota, <laughs> Tough is, is, they, well, they, they provide us some framework to work yeah. within. And really, at the beginning of the school year, um, schools were charged with kind of designing three learning models, um, a full in-person model. Um, a hybrid model where you could only basically have 50% capacity in your buildings and you can make that look any way that you wanted. And then a full distance learning model. So, you know, in Minnesota, we had the experience last year of distance learning. And in Farmington, we've actually um, engaged in, we call them flexible learning days for seven years. So we were actually pretty well positioned when we shifted to distance learning. The hybrid one has been the one that, that probably took us um, the most amount of time to kind of to wrap our heads around when you're only going to see kids um, in person two days a week. And then, you know, how do you connect with kids digitally and, and those sorts of things and stuff. And so we've been kind of working around that. And what we really found was when we were designing all of these, that if we did a good job really designing around distance learning, then the rest of it was a lot easier. I think, um, you know, the early struggle was try to design that in-person part of it. And then how does that extend to distance learning? And I think that really doesn't give a, a rich, engaging type of flexible distance learning environment. But when we started to focus on the distance learning aspect and how our kids were going to engage with the learning activities outside the building and how they could do that by not being constrained in a building or by your regular school days, it really kind of opened up um, kind of the possibilities of what those learning opportunities could be, what assessment could be, how we could give feedback. And so um, that's been a big piece for us. Jason, that's that's really important for people to hear is I know you've done a lot of great work about essential learnings and and kind of big picture concepts that you want all students to have coming through classes. But do you think that's a legacy of of um, of, of education and pandemic is the sense that, yes, your organization was already talking about that. But do you think school districts across the country are propelled to talk more about what's really important for deep well, learning? Cause you've been talking yeah. about that for years. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think um, it, it's when we look at our standards, right. That are given to us by States, right. We all talk about, there's just too many standards to be able to effectively cover and engage all of our learners in. And so I, I think for us, it's always been the question, how do we combine those things? How do we 
you know, leverage the time that we have in person? How do we connect um, to students' passions, strengths? And then how do we get students more actively involved in making decisions around how that learning looks, how they're going to engage in that learning? And then probably most importantly, how are they going to demonstrate that learning um, at some point in time outside of a school setting? And I think as people have gotten into distance learning and we've tried to, to continue some of those legacy things that we were able to do in buildings, I think people started to see that those were huge, huge pressure points on the system. It either frustrated the teacher, it frustrated the, you know, the student or frustrated the parent or frustrated all three parties. And I think that's one of the things that distance learning has really kind of shown us is that, you know, some of the things that we did from kind of a compliance mindset really weren't that impactful and made us start to think differently. How are we going to engage kids in learning experiences when they're not sitting in front of us? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I'm, I'm sitting back and kind of thinking about the, the direction of the conversation. And, you know, what I heard you say was how do we help kids connect learning to the passions that they have? Right. So as educators, how do we tap into those passions? And then, giving them opportunities to explore that and demonstrate that mastery in a unique way. And I'd love to know a little bit more about, you know, from your leadership perspective, what are some ways or strategies in which you've seen that happen um, and really bring that to light for learners? Well, I think the first thing is to be honest with you is, is your, your staff have to feel that, right? I mean, I I think you have to give Mm -hmm. opportunities for your staff to connect for us. I think a big driver kind of in the work that we've been doing is, we're very clear about what our purpose is in our, in our district, but we give, and, and within that, we give our staff, we call it, we honor their agency to connect to that strategic purpose in ways that they relate to. We don't tell them how to connect to it. We give them, I shouldn't even say give them, we allow them the opportunities to connect to that in a way. And I think anything that we want our, our, our staff to do with students, Mm. we as administrators have to walk that walk with our staff. And so we have to, obviously you have to have frameworks around instruction. You have to have frameworks around assessment, all of these pieces, but you also have to honor each person's agency Mm. within that to make individual decisions. And I think often in education, we miss that with our staff because I think our staff have to feel that first before they're going to feel that um, with their with and be able to, you know, engage with students that way. So for us, it's it was how do we develop that? How do we give, um, you know, staff opportunities to think about their design differently? The, how do they organize their classes? How they use their time? You know, um, how are they going to give feedback to students in the learning process and really let them struggle with that? Because that's not always easy, right? I mean, as much as teachers don't want to be told what to do they were brought up in this compliant mindset and this compliant system. And sometimes it's scary when they have to make and are able to make some of those own decisions. And so for us, a big part was giving our staff that opportunity. I think the other part too was kind of, um, we, we, for lack of a better term, stumbled into competency-based learning. You know, so in, in each of our classes, we have, you know, four to six competencies, we have rubrics developed for each um, that we've, we've used Webb's depth of knowledge that is a learning progression um, through them. And, you know, which, which is very, very, um, it's out there for everybody to see. You know, this, these are the identifiers are learning. This is the progression that it takes on, but it's also open enough 
for kids and, and, and staff to be able to have their own take on those things. So I think really those are the two big pieces for us to kind of, to move in that direction. So Adam, there's a lot there and a lot of passion around this. Go ahead. Yeah. I could talk a whole nother hour. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Jason, which is fantastic. No, it's great. And, and I think the, the piece to kind of think about, you know, in that task that we're, that we're asking learners to do, um, and we're asking teachers to facilitate that becomes this balance, right? Yep. So how do you help leaders balance that almost that push and support for teachers, right? Knowing this is the direction that we're going and, and we want this vision to have yep. uh, fruition, but I also want to be able to help support you in really creating that balance of knowing when to push and when to support. So what does that look like for you as a superintendent working with your leaders? So I think the big thing is we have to understand and we have to acknowledge that everybody's not going to move at the same pace, right? And I think we also have to acknowledge and understand that something that works really, really well in one setting in our district may not work that well in another setting. And so we have to be okay where we don't have these giant initiatives that we push in because when you have these giant initiatives, and that's what we've done that in education, right? We've had these giant initiatives and as soon as something is seen as an initiative, half the people like it, half the people don't like it. So we're really careful um, to, be, to give people that opportunity to opt into things. And then we'll help them with that through our coaching and different things. I think the other thing is that we have to remember as leaders is we have to give people time to kind of come to uh, a cognitive grip with this. I think the biggest learning for us through our last eight years is you have to give people time to change how they think. All right. That's going to take time. And some people it takes more time than others. After you give them time to change how they think, you have to give them time then to begin to change what they think. And that how comes before the what. And once you get them to change how they think, which gets them to change what they think, then you'll see the change in behaviors. And then you can give people to go for. So, so for some people, it's really that cognitive coaching piece where you're having conversations and getting them to reflect on different things so that they're having that mental exercise for other people. When they've gotten to the point and their behaviors change, now it's, it's helping them come up with the right instructional design that's going to support what they want to do in the classroom. So again, I think it's, it's kind of that personalized approach with our staff, just like we want them to have with our learners. Wow. Jason, I think, yeah, go ahead, Adam. Yeah. Like, I wrote down that we have to get leaders and teachers, educators to change how they think before what they think. Yeah, I wrote um, the same thing. You bet. Such a powerful statement. Um, and as we think about the work, I think how fortunate that your educators, your students, your families and your community are to have you as their superintendent um, because you recognize that substantive cultural change takes time. It just can't happen overnight. And so many folks will often want something fixed and changed almost immediately. But we have to honor that space for people to actually figure out how do I think differently in order to act differently. So just super, super impressed with that answer. There's a lot here for folks. Adam, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Jason. I was just going to say, well, we didn't learn it right away. So like anything, (laughs) right, it takes you. We made plenty of mistakes. And, you know, I think part of it, too, is just reflecting on kind of how education had always done everything and saying, okay, again, if we want this to happen with our our learners in classrooms, 
then when we back this up and how do we give that similar sort of experience with, with our staff. And that's what I wanted to back up to is you've got a clear sense of purpose and autonomy or agency within that. And you keep on drawing that parallel between the organizational structure and the classroom, because, you know, part of your brand is you're a learning organization and you got to practice what you hope is happening for our students experience. And that's powerful. And I would argue too, it takes the administration, the leadership to have some shared consensus on what that, that, that purpose is. Because they need, yeah. they need to be able to create the structures to be able to achieve that. Well, I, I mean, we could get, you want to talk about a whole nother <laughs> hour conversation. We could talk about our vision for strategic planning and that strategic direction. Because to be quite honest with you, to the point you just made, Mark, without that strategic context and understanding, it's not so much that you, you need to understand the exact words of our mission statement or our purpose statement you have to understand their strategic intent. And if you can understand the strategic intent behind it, that drives action. Because I think that's what a lot of, again, just in, I'm speaking in general, a lot of organizations have mission statements, have identity statements and things like that. But if they don't drive action into the classroom, then again, e- even if people can recite them and things like that, it's all about the intent of that. Mm. And, and back to what you said, we, we spend a lot of time with new staff, new administrators, you know, when we do like new teacher induction or new administrators come into our district, we spend more time around our strategic direction than really do about anything else. Absolutely. Well, Jason, it has been a pleasure (laughs) to be with you. I just, like, I'm going to have to go back and re-listen to this probably half a dozen times. um, Let's have them back. I know, right? To grasp the, the great concepts and knowledge that you provided to our listeners, you know, and for our listeners that are, are listening right now, I think that there's great value um, and, and great um, professional growth in this conversation that Jason's led. And if you want to continue to connect with Jason, um, which I highly encourage you to do, uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Berg Jaso. So that's B-E-R-G-J- ASO. And there you'll have the opportunity to obviously see what's happening in Farmington. Um, But you can also look up his district and see all of the great work that's happening. And to your point, Mark, Jason, we absolutely would love to have you back um, and dig in a little bit more deeply around one or two or three of these topics um, to really unpack what are those short and long-term impacts of the suggestions that you've made today? <laughs> you know, well, Mark knows this very well. I can talk. And so I would love to be <laughs> back. And I would just, the other thing I would say too, is if people listen to this and something doesn't make sense, obviously you can jump on Twitter, but um, we are more than willing to talk, connect and share with anybody. Cause we've learned a ton from, um, you know, our partners in Minnesota, like Mount West Tonka and Eastern Carver County and Edina and, and across the United States as well. So we're more than happy to share. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, thank you again and have a great evening. Yeah, you're welcome. You too. Thanks, Jason. Take care. Thanks for joining another exciting episode of Lead Change in Education, where we talk with educational leaders just like you and how they're boosting student achievement and building collective teacher efficacy. Tune in to our weekly podcast by joining and subscribing to the podcast platform that works best for you. You can also follow Adam at Adam D. Drummond 
or Mark at MWHS Principal on Twitter. You can also find us on LinkedIn and you can use the hashtag lead change ed to stay up to date on all of the exciting things that are happening in education related to our podcast as well as the work that we do each and every day until next time be the change you wish to lead in your schools